DNA Moments, today's title is called Building a Culture of Generosity. Say that with me. Building a Culture of Generosity. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18 says this. Remember, everybody say remember. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you the power. The power to do what? King James says the power to get wealth. In order to fulfill the covenant, he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. One more time. Remember. Remember is the opposite of forget. Everybody say remember. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful. Notice he didn't say gives you success. He gives you power to be successful. God will put all the tools in your hands. He will give you the the tools. He'll give you the ground. He'll give you the seed but he's not going to zip open the heavens and drop a loaf of bread down into your house. He'll show you how to plant the seed, how to grow the wheat, how to grind the wheat, how to mix in the oil and the, uh, you know, make the flour and the milk and the eggs or whatever it is that it takes to make bread, how to bake it. And he will give you all the tools you need to be successful. He's not just going to drop success right into your lap. Come on, somebody. That's good preaching from the start. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. One thing today. God is a giver. Say it with me. God is a giver. Read it out loud. Here we go. Made in his image, we are called to be givers. We might give without loving, but we cannot love without If you really love, you're going to give of yourself. You're going to have a generous spirit. Now, folk, money is only one tiny little portion of that. Generosity is a spiritual thing. Generosity is an open heart. Generosity is acceptance. Generosity is a forgiving spirit. It's letting folk off the hook. It's refusing to be critical or judgmental. It's determining to use our mouth to speak life and not death. It's determining to make our confession one that is declaring courage into a brother or sister's heart. We're making an investment in people. We're not dragging them down. We're building them up because they are not the tail, they are the head because they're the seed of Abraham. Come on, somebody. God is a giver. Made in his image, we are called to be givers. We might give without loving, but we can never love without giving. Number one this morning, my point is remember the source. Remember the source. The book of Deuteronomy is the second giving of the law of God. It appeared the first time in Exodus chapter 20. Moses now at 38 years of wandering in the wilderness is camping on the other side of the Jordan. The promised land is right before them. He has a generation of wilderness babies that were born, and many of them have not been circumcised. They've not been trained in the law of God the way their parents had been. Their generation had all died in the wilderness. Because you will remember in Numbers chapter 13 that Moses had sent a representative from every tribe. Twelve representatives marched into, well, let me say march, they went in stealthily 
they went into the promised land to spy out the land and come back and to give a report. And 10 came back with an evil report and two came back with a report that said, we are well able to possess this land. God didn't tell them to go do a feasibility study to see if they could possess it. He said, just go look at the fruit of the land and see what I'm going to give you. And they got over there and forgot that God was going to do it, and they thought they had to do it. And they said, the giants are enormous, and we are grasshoppers in their eyes. And they came back with an evil report and stirred up the fear of the people. And God basically said, for every day that you spied the land, you will wander in the wilderness for a year for a day. Forty years they wandered. Until a whole generation that said, no, we can't, died out, and God birthed another generation. They buried, they had 300 funerals a day in the wilderness, just burying them in the sand out there. And so a whole new generation has been born, and, and Moses, Deuteronomos, Deutero two twice, namos law, autonomy is self-law, theonomy is God's law. And so Deuteronomy is the second giving of the law of God. And it appears in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And so he's carrying them through this remembrance. Remember where God brought you. Remember where God is taking you. And, and, and I want to remind you that God operates by this principle. God is more interested in your destiny than he is your history. God will never let a man's history hinder them from the destiny that he's called them to because none of us are noble or mighty or, or smart. God chose the foolish things of the world, the weak things of the world to confound the mighty and the wise. Come on, somebody. Put your hands together and give the Lord give him praise. And so I want you to see this morning is that he's reminding them. He says, do not forget what the Lord has done for you. And when you get into the land and you begin to prosper and you begin to succeed, he says, remember that it is the Lord your God who gives you the power to become successful, the power to get wealth, so that his covenant might be established in the earth, the one that he gave to your forefathers. We're talking about Abraham, okay? And he's basically saying, remember the source. Don't forget. He says, there's copper in those hills that you're going to mine out. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. And when you get over here and you begin to prosper, don't let yourself say, look what I have done in my own strength. Remember. Everybody say, remember. Remember is to put back together. It's to bring all the members of the fragmentation of your thoughts and to recollect, to recollect them and to, like the thief on the cross said, Jesus, remember me when you come into paradise. Put me back together in all my fragmentation and my brokenness of sin. And he said, sir, today you'll be with me in paradise. Remember, remember is to not forget. And in, in, in the middle of all of our blessings, sometimes we can back up and we can go, look what I have done. And that's what the Lord says, no, 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 you can't ever do that because I put the breath in your lungs and the strength in your body and the idea in your mind... And I opened the door and I created the opportunity and I encouraged your faith and I breathed on it and I inspired you by the power of my presence and my Holy Spirit. And it was through my presence and my ability that I gave you the power. Yes, you'd had something to do with it, but you didn't do it by yourself. Come on, somebody, give God praise. Remember the source. Remember the source. Because James chapter 1 says it this way, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. 
He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. I love verse 18 in the NLT. The New Living Translation says, He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word, and we out of all creation became his prized possession. Look at your neighbor and say, Hello, prized possession. So Jesus loved you so much that he died for you. You know, I recognize fully that in my sin I am totally unworthy. But do you realize that God saw something in you worthy of sending his son to die for you? There's something of a blessing. There's something of a prized possession in your life because he gave the greatest thing he had, his son and the blood of his son, so that you could be part of his family. Come on, somebody. Everybody say, remember the source. What we give came from your hand. What we give came from your hand. This is a quote from, from King David from First Chronicles chapter 29. Three verses, just listen. Wealth and honor come from you alone, for you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand, and at your discretion people are made great and given strength. Oh, our God, we thank and praise your glorious name, but who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have has come from you, and we give you only what you first gave us. What I want you to recognize is that everything on the planet, God owns. We are not the owners. I want you to recognize in this big scheme of things that there is an owner, and there is a thief that's trying to steal, kill, and destroy everything from the owner. But in between the owner and the thief, God puts a steward. Come on, somebody. How many are thankful for the stewards? You're a steward. So you stand in the place and representation of the owner. That means you have the ability to conduct business in the name of the owner. What the enemy is trying to steal, kill, and destroy out of your life God says, rise up in your stewardship. The, the, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all they that dwell therein. God owns it all. Like the little country preacher said, God owns it all. The cattle on a thousand hills and all the taters therein. Everything. Everybody say everything. So everything. I, if I give God something, I'm not giving him anything that's not already his anyway. I'm a steward. I hold something temporarily. I own a piece of property just for the time that I'm alive, that I have a moment to breathe and to represent the king of the kingdom in this dimension called earth. He gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 10 through 15. Listen to this. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. King James says bread to the eater. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Everybody say generosity. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. Everybody say generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. Paul is taking an offering from the churches in Corinth to bless the church in Jerusalem that's struggling. He says, verse 12, so... Two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. Verse 13, as a result of your ministry, they will glorify, they will give glory to God 
for your generosity, everybody say generosity, for your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. That's interesting. My giving proves that I've got the giver on the inside of me. Okay? He says, and they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. Thank God for this gift, too wonderful for words. King James says, Thank God, thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift, the gift of Jesus Christ. God is a giver. Made in his image, we are called to be givers. We might give without loving, but we can never love without giving. The first law of love is giving. For God so loved that he what? That he gave, okay? Number two, start with why. Everybody say, start with why. Uh, I'm, I'm in the middle of Simon Sinek's book. It's not a new one. It's about 10 years old in the business world. And the title of the book is called Start With Why. And it's excellent because it talks about the difference between companies that enjoy generational prosperity and success is because they're not just marketing what their product, but they're marketing why, why they do what they do. And he talks about the golden circle where the outer ring is what and the inner ring is how and the, the heart of it is why. What, how, and why. I, I learned a number of years ago that any time we were going to try to affect change in the church at Victory, that we always had to start with why. Because if people understand why, then the how ceases to be a big deal. Methodologies change from one generation to the next. Can you imagine still trying to, to manufacture whips for, for horses and buggies in the days when Henry Ford had already opened a couple of factories and was putting cars out on the assembly line in the thousands each year, and somebody's still trying to keep a whip factory going, sometimes we have to change. Come on, somebody. Sometimes we have to change, though our, our theology is something that is solid. The gospel is unchanging. God is unchanging. What is that scripture that I quoted this morning? It was... Um, it says, for every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning, is what King James says. So God is unchanging. His character, his nature is unchanging. His gospel does not change. But how we get it to people is different in one generation than it was before. Come on, folk, you've got to realize that. You've all, most of you in this room got a smartphone in your purse or in your pocket. And, 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 and if you're a good Christian, you've got the Victory app on it. It's free. Just kidding. No, for real. You ought to have it on there. It's free, and you can know what's going on, and you can, you can get the social media, you can get the, the, the sermon clips, you can get some really cool stuff on there, Bible reading plans, all kind of stuff. Just go to your app store for whatever kind of phone you have and, and download the Victory app. It's free. It does not cost you anything. Look at your neighbor and say, it's free. But we have to start with why. Why do we have to change something? Well, because this is what's going on. We, we, folk, folk are not buying horses and pulling buggies anymore. We've got cars these days. Now, I'm talking about 115 years ago, okay? So technology comes around. Things begin to change differently. Generations see things differently. The way that we get the gospel into this generation is not the same when it was in the 1950s. Come on, somebody say amen. 
Why? Why? So why should we be generous? Because God has a storehouse that he wants to bless people out of. God wants victory to be a storehouse so that the needs in the delta can be met. Look at this. Malachi chapter 3, verses 10 through 12 I want to concentrate on, but I'm going to back up and give you the context from chapter, from verse, uh, verse 8 forward. So Malachi, the very last prophet before the Testament's change, he's asking the question. He says, will a man rob God? In the NLT, the New Living Translation says, should people cheat God? And they go, what do you mean you've cheated God? He says, he says uh, well, you've cheated me, the Lord says. Uh, it was the, the, the tradition, it was the custom of in this agricultural shepherding, uh, raising of livestock kind of culture that, that all of the sheep that passed under the rod, every tenth one would be given to God. So a tithe. The word tithe is tenth. Now let me just say this. We don't require tithing to be a member of victory. We just ask you to give consistently. But I want to challenge you because tithing is the biblical standard. Now, and, and, and basically he's saying every tenth sheep that comes along, and what some of these guys were doing were they were taking the weak, blind in one eye, three-legged, mangy, and they were just collecting the worst of the flock and bringing it to God and smiling and going, here's my offering, Lord. And the Lord said, no, 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 that's not how it works. You can't, you can't bring me your old mangy can't even halfway stand up on our own leg sheep and think that you're going. Now, let me tell you how we do that today. We're not bringing sheep to the house of God, but we come in here expecting a blessing, but then we want to give God a three-legged sheep praise. Oh, he's Lord of all. How many of you know you need to come on with, with energy and with, with faith and with expectation, lift your hearts and give God an exuberant praise, a sacrifice of praise? Come on, somebody. Sometimes it's a sacrifice. That's a sacrifice of praise is I do it when I don't feel like it. All right? He says, but you ask, what do you mean? He said, when did we ever cheat you? He said, you cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You're under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes. Everybody say all the tithes. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple he says, if you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. He says, try it. Put me to the test. There are only two places in the scripture where God says, I dare you. I dare you to check this out, test me, and prove me in this and see if I will not open the windows of heaven and bless you in ways that are going to knock your socks off. He says, your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Now, we're not standing up here teaching on tithing because we're trying to meet budget. Tithing is for you. Tithing is basically saying, God, I acknowledge that when I give you the first fruits and I give it to you in faith. Listen, some of you say, I can't tithe because you think you have a money problem. Your, your reason you're not tithing is not a money problem. It's a faith problem because it takes faith to tithe. 
Because what you do is you set yourself a budget and you say, God, I'm going to give you, I'm going to honor you with the first fruits of my increase. I'm going to give you 10% off the top. Some of you go, well, you know, let me pay all my bills and see what's left. If there's 10%, then I'll give it to the Lord. You're never going to walk in blessing until you learn the principle of giving God for years and years and years and years. When I sat down every week after I was paid, I made sure the first check, everybody say the first check. Now, see, that's a technology that's changed. Mine comes out on tithe, uh, um, text to give every Monday. So it's regularly out of, out of my check and is, is being given to the house, to the house of the Lord here. And, and, and if you've been at Victory very long, you know that we stand up and we say, if you're a member of the local church, your tithe belongs in that house. Because what is your storehouse? Your storehouse is where you go when you're in need. Now, let me just say this. There are a lot of wonderful ministries on television, and I love them, and I think you ought to give offerings to them. But you know what? If you're in the hospital, Brother Copeland's not going to come see you in the hospital. It's going to be Brother Smith or Brother Soto or Sister Bryant. Are you all hearing me this morning? When you have a need, and I I don't know what you think about the ministry I mentioned, there are a lot of wonderful ones out there. I mean, if it's Charles Stanley or John Hagee or or Matt Hagee, the son now, or there are hundreds of great ministries. Bless them with an offering, but your tithe belongs in the storehouse. Where's your storehouse? That's where you're committed. That's where you're involved. Come on, somebody. That's where you're looking for, when you go through difficult times, the folk that meet your need out of the storehouse is where you're committed. Those national ministries are wonderful. They will encourage you, but they're not going to fly down here. They're not going to drive down here. They're not going to stand with you in the hospital room. Come on, somebody. Are you hearing me? Your tithe belongs in the storehouse. Are, are you all okay with me this morning? Do you still love me? Because i got to teach a little bit. I have been doing this since I was a child. My parents taught me. My mama taught me. Raised in the Church of God, Cleveland, Tennessee. Holy Ghost, holiness background. We never went to church that they didn't give me something. They would put a dollar in my hand or they would put a quarter in my hand. After I started earning an allowance, they would say, now, guess what? I've been all your life, I've been putting a quarter in your hand so you could put something in the offering because the scripture says, don't appear before the Lord empty-handed. That's not just your money. That's, that's your offering. That's your praise. That's your thanksgiving. That's, that's your worship to God. Come with an offering. Come with a sacrifice. Have your hands filled with praise and worship and with, with honor and glory to the Lord. Come on, somebody say amen. And so from a little boy, they would hand me a quarter or two quarters or a dollar or whatever as I grew. And so I got in the habit of always putting something in. So when I started earning allowance, they said, now this is where you learn to obey the Lord and give God your first fruits. And I learned to tithe when I was seven, eight, nine, ten years old. And when I was trusting God for this instrument at 14, and I had been able to save several thousand dollars because people were giving to me because they knew I was believing God by faith, for that, I wasn't stingy with what I had. I found a couple of different situations that I, out of my blessing, out of the seed God gave me, I sowed it into someone else who was trusting God for it. Before we built this building, we took money out of our building fund and we blessed other churches that were trying to build buildings because we were saying, God, it's not just in what we can collect from our people, but we know it's going to take your blessing on what we're collecting. And so, God, we sow a seed out of victory into other churches that are building buildings for the sake of the kingdom of God. We're in this this morning because we have been generous. Come on, somebody. Are you hearing me? Generosity should be the earmark 
of my life and of your life. Uh, I've got this new operating system on this iPad and everything just disappeared. (laughs) Help me, Holy Ghost. I need you anyway and not this thing. Look at this. Love is an action. 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for the brothers and the sisters. This is so cool. We all know John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So that's God giving his son. 1 John, over toward the end of the book, 1 John 3.16 says, Okay, Jesus did it for you. Now you need to do it for others. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us, so we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Verse 18, dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's love and show the truth by our actions. Everybody say, show the truth. Kingdom principle, and I'm going to wrap this up right here. Kingdom principle, look at this at Proverbs chapter 11, verses 24 and 25. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be Mr. Potter. I want to be George Bailey. Come on, come on. Anybody, any Bedford Falls in the room? Come on, we're, we're about to roll around into the season where you, it's been playing now for 100,000 years. It's a wonderful life. And you know the spirit of Mr. Potter. He's just stingy and he's just, he's just got the smell of dirty money all over his hands and he's grimy and he just can't get enough. And George is all about helping people. And what happened to George in the end of the movie Because George was always generous. When George was in need, guess what? The whole town showed up and just poured out blessing. That's what happens when we're generous. It's not a perfect example, but it's one that you've all seen, that we all enjoy this time of year that we can. Intentional giving makes us seed conscious and not need conscious. Because every time I give, I'm sowing a seed into someone. I'm making an investment. Things are tight in your house. Guess what I do? I I start looking around. I dig in the closet. I go into storage. I start, if there's something that I haven't used in two or three years, I probably don't need it. Now, it doesn't just mean that I'm giving away junk that I couldn't get rid of. Some of us are hoarders. We need to cast out that spirit in the name of Jesus. I'll leave that alone. But you got good stuff you're not using? Bless somebody with it. You can't find anybody to bless it with? Take it down to the mission. They'll sell it and be able to bless that ministry to help folk that are homeless and folk that are getting off of drugs and breaking addictions. Put your hands together and give the Lord praise. Come on. God is a giver made in his image. We are called to be givers. We might give without loving, but we can never love without giving. Finally this morning, my last point is very, very brief. This, we're coming up on 2020. 2020 is, look at this, folks. Numbers are important to God. One is, one is unity. Two is witness. Three is completion. Five is grace. Six is the number of man. I skip four. Four is creation. Seven is perfection. Nine is fruitfulness. Eight is new beginnings. 
I can go on and on and on and on and on. Anytime you see a couple of numbers like this, this is going to be a significant year for us. First of all, 2 Chronicles 2020 says this, believe his prophets and so shall you prosper. Now, if you can hear this this morning, I'm speaking the voice of the Lord and speaking as a prophet of God. If you believe and take what I'm telling you and you apply it to your life, God will prosper you. He will bless you. The vision we have, the vision we have for 2020, and I want to say to you, because next Sunday we'll be receiving our miracle offering for all of our outreach, and we're planning new things we've never done before. 2020 is the year of double. It's not just 20, but it's, it's not 2018, it's not 2019, it's 2020. Now, can you even believe you're still here? All the prophecy guys have had to redraw their charts so many times, it's ridiculous. Here we are. We've still got a job to do. Guess what? When he comes, I'll go wherever he takes me. But I'm going to tell you right now, I'm still here this morning, and I've got a job to do. You've got a job to do. 2020 is not just about victory believing for double and increase, double in blessing, double in prosperity, double in success, double in souls, double in baptisms, double in all of those areas. 2020 is about you trusting God for double in your life, in, 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 in peace, in joy, in finance, in promotion, in blessing. There's nothing wrong with that. How many of you know when God puts his favor on something, blessing's going to be all over it? I believe that with all of my heart. I am not challenging you to do anything that I have not been doing myself my whole life. I believe in this. This principle will set you free. Somebody says, Pastor, I just can't do it. It's not possible right now. Okay, fine. This is, this is what I tell young people all the time. Fine. What can you do? Sit in the office with me. Okay. 3%. Set it at 3 And I guarantee you when you make a commitment to God to give 3%, the transmission will go out on your car, the water heater will break, something will happen that will challenge you and test you to see if you're going to keep your commitment. Because no matter whatever level you set it at, there's always going to be a challenge because the thief wants to come steal your commitment. He wants to destroy. He wants to rob from you the blessing that you will get when you follow through with what you've committed to do with God. The whole point is, my first sub-point here, and this is where I'm quitting, Make room for the Lord in your life. Make room for the Lord in your finance. Make room for the Lord in your, in your family life, in your acceptance, in your love, in your forgiveness. Give generously. Be a generous person. Have a generous spirit. Have a generous heart. Don't, don't wait for that person that hurts your feelings to come apologize to you. They've done forgot about it. They've moved on with their life. You're the one that's stuck. Be generous in your forgiveness. Let them go. You're, you're holding a grudge is not hindering them. It's jacking your heart up. You need to let it go. Come on, somebody. Be generous. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in Mark 11, when you stand praying, forgive. If we don't forgive, then our prayers are hindered. What you're trusting God for, trying to move a mountain with faith, is going to be hindered until you let that junk go out of your life. So be generous. Don't be stingy with love. Stingy with forgiveness. Hear this this morning. God wants to bless you with double. I believe that with all of my heart. I believe he will give double into your life if you will begin to make room for him. You know, you make room for him in, in believing God to bless you with a good job. How about, this is what has happened so many times. I've shared this with young people and they'll say, yes, pastor, we'll do that. This is what, we're going to set it at 3%. And do you know before the year's out, six, seven, eight, nine, ten months, they start getting out of debt, a promotion has come, 
increase has come, blessing of the Lord has come, and they've come to me so many times over 30 years of ministry, they said, Pastor, guess what? This next year, we're going to give God a raise. We're not just going to do 3%, but we're going to do 8% this next year. And they won't go but a few more months until they'll say, Pastor, we're going to do 10. And then they'll come to me and they'll go, you know what, Pastor, we're not just tithing now, but we're giving an offering on top of it. We're blessing missions. We're, do, we're giving in the, in the miracle offering. And when you start to do that, you become a channel for the blessings of God to move and flow through your life. Because the scripture says, give and it shall be given unto you. Press down, shaken together, running over. Shall men bring the blessing of the Lord and dump it into your lap? Come on, don't be Mr. Potter. Be, be George Bailey. Be generous. Make room for the Lord. Now this morning as I close this message, I want to say to you, the most, the most generous thing you can do, the most powerful thing you can do in your life, if you've never crossed the line of faith, is to recognize his great love for you and giving you the breath that's in your lungs right now. And then you make room for him and you give the Lord your heart. You generously give God your life and say, God, I lay it out before you. I make room for you in my heart. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sit down and dine. I will sup with him and he with me. And so God is basically saying, if you can make room in your heart, if you can make room in your life, if you can make room in your finance, I will come and bring my blessing. When I don't tithe, I'm basically saying I can do a better job with 100% than if I give God 10 and he gets involved and blesses the 90. I want God blessing the 90 any day. I, I'm not interested in how, how good I can manage 100 God, here's the 10. Now, pour out your overwhelming, unspeakable blessing on the 90. What's left? Hallelujah. How many, of you, how many of you see what God does when you get it in faith? So, not apologizing. We're just here to teach. We want to teach new believers. We want to remind the older believers that this is how it works. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. Come on, Sid, wherever you are. Back to the keyboard this morning. I said I was going to quit early, and I meant to quit at 10.